Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark, how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Actually, we're going to do 1 through 21. And then chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Again, chapter 9, verses 1 through 21. And chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. The NIV of the Holy Bible reads, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, that rod of their oppression. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All the people will know it, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild them with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened Rezin's foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. Aramines from the east and Philistines from the west have devoured Israel with open mouth. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away, his hand is still upraised, but the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So the Lord will cut from Israel both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and prominent men are the head, the prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and those who are guided are led astray. Therefore, the Lord will take no pleasure 
in the young men, nor will he pity the fatherless and widows, for everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks vileness. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Surely wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It sets the forest thickets ablaze so that it rolls upward in a column of smoke. By the wrath of the Lord Almighty, the land will be scorched and the people will be fuel for the fire. No one will spare his brother. On the right they will devour, but still be hungry. On the left they will eat, but not be satisfied. Each will feed on the flesh of his own offsprings. Manasseh will feed on Ephraim and Ephraim on Manasseh. Together they will turn against Judah. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. I have read unto your hearing Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 21, and chapter 10, 1 through and two, praise God's holy and divine word and those who listen and follow his decrees. The Bible is the holy narrative of Jesus Christ. Given the way Jesus is described throughout the Bible, it is not surprising to find an emphasis placed upon his name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, which we must, by which we must be saved, Acts 4, verse 12. The name of Jesus is rightly exalted. Because of this, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those on under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, verses 9 and 11. Jesus is found in our text today, anticipating the coming of the Messiah and Savior, Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 6. The child comes as a mighty prince who conquers not by the sword, but by the message. His word of peace directed at the hearts of men. He establishes and maintains true peace, not the peace the world gives, but peace which is a result of spiritual fullness, companionship, friendship with God, and a right relationship with one another. This peace is evidenced 
in the absence of sin. When sin is removed, forgiven and banished from an individual's life, spiritual fullness and peace remain. When sin is pushed aside, thankfully we have Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who makes forgiveness possible, enabling us through his will to experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4 and verse 7. At the conclusion of Isaiah 8, chapter 8, the prophet described how the people would see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness, verse 22. This depiction left little worldly hope, but as our lesson shows, hope remained. To encourage the struggling Israelites, Isaiah predicted the coming of a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined, Isaiah 9, verse 2. When the prophet wrote, they had not seen this light, but its occurrence was so certain and vivid to Isaiah's mind that he described it as though it had already occurred. In the place of the darkness of calamity, the people of God see the light of peace and blessedness. In the place of darkness and death, the light of life, the light of salvation. Joy and deliverance would come to the people. Let's look again at the familiar verse 6. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Each of the four throne names of the Messiah consists of two elements. Unlike Emmanuel, these titles were not like normal Ode. Old Testament personal names. Counselor points to the Messiah as a king. Notice Micah 4, verse 9. This king determines and carries out a program of action. Psalm division 20, verse 4. As wonderful counselor, the coming son of David will carry out a royal program that will cause the world to marvel. Mighty God stresses his divine power. As everlasting father, he will be an enduring companion, provider, and protector. Notice Isaiah 49 and 11. As Prince of Peace, his rule will bring wholeness and well-being to individuals and to society. Notice chapter 11, verse 6 and 9, 6 through 9. 
Isaiah predicted this one would rule over his never-ending kingdom and establish it with judgment and justice, verse 7. Justice ultimately does not rest on human law or judgment, but upon the nature of God. But the Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice and the holy God will be proved holy by his righteous acts. Isaiah 5 and verse 16. The prophetic hope rests not on the power of a secular king, but on the zeal of the Lord Almighty. What about that zeal, church? Can we access that? Yes, we can. Contemporaries of Isaiah looked for a Messiah, a promised one, who would bring a final revelation. They were not to be disappointed. Jesus of Nazareth was God made manifest in the flesh. John, St. John 1, verses 1 through 3. He, Jesus, was the anointed one, the Christ of God. Jesus made his people know the way of righteousness. Hearts were to be changed. Righteousness was to grow from the inside out. I know Brother William is teaching on the trichotomy of God, and, and here you see from the inside out of the man, spirit will be touched and actions will follow. Jesus wanted his people not only to obey him, but love him. God was displeased with forms of obedience that emphasized only the study and understanding God's commands. Israel was punished because of its pride. Despite the shattered state of their nation, the people continued arrogantly to place their confidence in their own abilities and to promote their own method of healing and restoration. What about us, church? To what extent do we give up control to God? To what extent do we wait on God? To what extent do we humble ourselves to God? They did not seek to humble themselves and repent. Consequently, their trials were far from over. For all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is still stretched out. Verse 12. Israel's failure to turn to the Lord during this time of trial is attributed to a lack of leadership in the nation. Leadership is so important. Neither their elders nor their prophets encouraged them to repent and seek deliverance from the Lord. In fact, Isaiah reported, the leaders of this people cause them to err and those who are led by them are destroyed. Chapter 9, verse 16. In response, God promised to cut off head and tail from Israel, verse 14, a reference to their civil and religious leaders, verse 15. Because everyone is a hypocrite 
and an evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. Verse 17. The punishment, therefore, inflicted upon them by the Lord was justified and appropriate. Isaiah compared the wickedness of the people to a fire. He said that it still devoured the briars and thorns and kindled in the thickets of the forest, Isaiah 9.18. Interestingly, the, the destructive force that burned the land was also attributed to the wrath of God, verse 19. Sin is contrary to God's purposes. This contrary orientation creates the orientation of its own destruction. Sin becomes not only the reason, but the method of its own destruction. The selfish behavior of individuals motivated by sin is documented by Isaiah. Those who feed at sin's table are never satisfied. Whether they snatch or devour, they remain hungry. Isaiah 9, verse 20. In desperation, they turn against one another. Manasseh shall devour Ephraim and Ephraim Manasseh together. They shall be against Judah. Verse 21. Stating the Lord's case against Israel explicitly, Isaiah wrote, Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice. Isaiah 10, verse 1 and 2. Besides their arrogance and pride, Israel was guilty of abusing those who were most valuable and vulnerable, the essential workers. The leadership in Israel were using their positions of power for personal gain at the expense of those who could do nothing about it. God would not and will not allow this to continue. Assurance of the punishment God intended for Israel is restated for the fourth time in the prophecy. For all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Note in verse 4, verse 9, verse 12, verse 17, verse 21. Again, verse 4, verse 12, verse 17, and verse 21. Israel would not escape. God continues to show his sovereign rule over his creation. His anger continues to manifest itself. Wrath is real. Only in Christ is his hand stretched out still. The prophet Isaiah makes it clear that the leaders of Israel had a special place of responsibility. The same is true for modern political and spiritual leaders. Elders, preachers, prophets, anyone to whom Christians look for leadership have a great responsibility. We need to pray for leadership, church. 
no matter how bleak things may seem, hope remains. This was the message Isaiah shared with the people of Israel, and it's a message we need to hear today. The prophet looked forward to a great light that would dispel darkness. Verse 2, he then described the child who would be born and would reign over his everlasting kingdom. A beautiful prophecy about Jesus Christ, as we read in verse 6. Israel was punished for their pride, Isaiah 9, verse 9, for their refusal to repent, verse 13, for their unrestricted wickedness, verse 18, and for their abuse of those who are most vulnerable, chapter 10, verse 2. These sins remain common today. Consequently, we must learn from the mistakes listed here by Isaiah and turn to God in Jesus Christ for help rather than to ourselves. From our position on the continuum of time, we can look back at Jesus' birth and ministry with confidence because he defeated death, we through faith have the hope of salvation. This lesson is yours. Much deserved credit. An addendum here. Much deserved credit goes to those who will accept responsibility. But when responsibility is married to selfishness, shame and judgment await. Jesus said, For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Again, this lesson is yours. Thanks for listening, friends, brothers and sisters. The message continues to be, love God and one another. Humble yourself. Humble ourselves. We are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. There will be, the hope remains, no more gloom along the way to the sea in Jesus Christ. Matthew 4 and 13. That's the promise of the gospel. Next week's lesson is taken from Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 12, verse 6 for next week. Again, the title is A Shoot from the Stem of Jesse. Let us pray together, family. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father God, we come to you with a deep sense of humility, a deep sense of reflection as we use our senses to to see calm and clarity in the abstract and the concrete awesome representation of your creation. Help us, Father, appreciate the people around us, the flora and fauna we can see out our window, our friends, our family. Help us, Father, to find your wisdom, your strength, your will, and your way 
in the life of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the Church of Christ where men, women, boys, and girls may work out their soul salvation with fear and trembling. Father God, we send up petitions as prayers for those who do not know you. We pray for space and time that they may come to know you before it is eternally too late. We pray for those who are suffering, for those who are in mourning, for those who are poor in spirit, both near and far. We pray for all who are listening and their extended families. We pray for leadership in your church and the nation. We ask that your power be infused in their actions and decisions. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your ongoing forgiveness, Father. We thank you for your mercy and your holiness. In Christ Jesus, we ask it all. Amen. Again, church, thanks for being a part of the ongoing study of the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. Please reach out to your Christian brothers and sisters this week. Stay, uh, stay joyful. Stay zealous in Christ. Stay safe. Bye for now.